0: Well, good morning and, uh, and welcome to Journey Church. And thank you, Andy, for coming. Um, I do remember uh, Don reminded me, I'd kind of forgotten the year. It was 2010 that I went on the Mass walk myself. Judd, I think you were with me uh, on that walk. And I uh, know Tony went and some others went, Chris, uh, as well. Uh, so I want to encourage you to think about that. And that falls right into, in fact, we kind of plan to have Andy here today because this falls into, we're going to be talking about personal growth and I walk with the Lord, and uh, May Us Walk is one way to, to uh, begin that or spark that or uh, maybe re-enthuse some energy and into that again. So um, anyway, keep that in mind. You can talk to him back in the back if you'd like to do that a little bit later. But we are beginning a series today on, uh, on our journey uh, and about spiritual, personal spiritual growth. Um, there was a book written in 1678, so it's been a while back. It was written by a man named John Bunyan, not Paul, it was a different guy. Uh, John Bunyan wrote a classic book called Pilgrim's Progress, and the Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory about the Christian life. And the main character in the book, his name is Christian, and he's burdened by his sins until he reads a book called Bible that directs him on a spiritual journey to the celestial city, which obviously represents heaven. He meets a man along the way called Evangelist who points him to a gate which he enters He falls into a slew of despond. He's assisted back to the right path by a man named Help. He then meets Mr. Worldly Wise, who sends him to the village of Morality, and there he meets Mr. Legality and his son, Civility. Exhausted by all this travel, Christian gives up until Evangelist reappears in his life and directs him to the interpreter, who tells him about grace. He comes to a cross and a sepulcher, and his burdens fall away. He reaches the hill difficulty, where he chooses a straight and narrow path. And then he arrives at the palace beautiful, where he meets discretion, piety, prudence, and charity. And they give him Christian armor, and then he meets faithful, who is on the same path as himself. He goes through the valley of humiliation and the valley of the shadow of death he stumbles into the grounds of Doubting Castle where he is imprisoned and beaten by the great despair. Then Christian remembers that he has a key given to him called promise, and that helps him escape. He is then distracted even more when he follows Flatterer, but is rescued by the Shining One and finally is admitted into the celestial city. And I hope you kind of see the path that uh, John Bunyan writes about Christian as he has this journey and and this classic book is just one example of a person's journey in life, their spiritual journey. You know, we believe that every person is called upon a spiritual journey. Not everyone chooses to take that, uh, to follow that call. Not everyone chooses to go. But we believe that everyone has a journey, a spiritual journey. In fact, we believe that so strongly that six years ago, we changed our name to Journey Church. That's the reason People ask me, why did you change your name? Well, we felt like our name was a little bit long and unwieldy, but more importantly, we wanted people to know that there is a journey to follow that we're called to. Some people will not answer the call to the spiritual journey, and they will live for this world. Their journey through life will take them through ups and downs as well, but they'll have no help. Jesus will not be there for them, and hopefully, and our prayers that many others will sense the drawing of God and will seek after Him. Now, your journey and I and mine may look a lot like Christians in the book. There's going to be some ups and some downs. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be times of moving forward. There'll be times of standing still, perhaps even times of going backwards. But hopefully, you will be persistent and you'll continue to forward movement until you too reach the celestial city or the city of heaven. You know, I really like the idea of viewing the Christian life as a journey because to me, it symbolizes the natural progression of a person as they grow in the understanding of God, as they come to understand and see the world around them and what God is doing, and as they see their place in the whole environment where God has put them, I love the idea of a journey. But you know what's more important, that we understand that the journey is not just out there for people, but it's that our personal journey, that God has called us into a journey, hopefully toward Him, that will end one day as we see our Lord and Savior. It's also important to distinguish the difference between the journey of a Christian and what the world might call generally a new age journey that leads to some sort of deeper spirituality. You know, a lot of people, if they ask, what what is your religion? They will put none, but they will say, I'm spiritual. There is a, you know, there is a lot of spirituality in our world, but not all of it leads to God. Some people believe that their spirituality can allow them to choose their own path, and that all paths lead to the same destination. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that every path, every road doesn't lead to the same place. There are a lot of roads in this world. They all lead to different directions. And there are a lot of routes or roads that people choose to find hope, to find purpose in life. And only one of them leads to eternal life. In fact, that's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There is one way to the Father. That is through Jesus Christ, he is the path that we are to take. Another difference in Christianity and worldly spirituality is that the Bible actually gives us a path and steps in our journey, and the Bible teaches us that we are to be constantly growing. You know, I'm not sure that I understood that when I was a young person when I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church uh, all throughout my life, never really got too far away, I was one of those people that was blessed and protected, but, but, you know, we went to church, it was a good place that we went. We went there regularly several times a week, we learned great things, we had good friends and family in the church, but it wasn't clear to me that a lot more was expected of me than just going to church. It wasn't clear to me that there was, that God had a plan for my life, or that there was something I need to aspire to, that I needed to grow, you know, it's just like come and do. But the healthy Christian life does have several stages, and we are expected to move on our journey just like we start the journey. And we will pass certain waypoints in our life, or in our spiritual journey, and we need to grow in our walk with the Lord. In fact, not growing in our walk with the Lord on our journey, it means something is wrong. If something doesn't grow, there's something wrong. Now, some of you know that uh, we have a little farm, and uh, uh, we raise a lot of animals. In fact, we, uh, for the last few years, have been raising pigs for meat. And it's a little smelly, i got to admit that, but the bacon is worth it, All right. So, uh, so we don't mind putting up with that. But, so last year, we bought several pigs, and they all look healthy and similar in size. And we began to feed them out, and it's a series of about six months to do that. We began to notice, though, that one of them wasn't growing. And uh, he looked just like all the others when he started, but he was not growing. He was given the same food, given the same water, opportunities, health, uh, you know, medicine, you know, worming, all that stuff. Something was definitely wrong. And at the end of the season, when it was time for slaughter, he wasn't anywhere near the size of the others. And we don't know why. Now, it didn't save his life, unfortunately, Um, but he didn't reach his potential, you know. And then, you know, and that's the important thing is we have a potential that God's given us a future. He's given us a purpose in life. And what a sad thing to think we live our life and never achieve that purpose that God has for us. So we never reach the place that God has designed and prepared for us. See, God wants every believer to move on their spiritual journey. And in fact, there's something wrong if we don't. There's something wrong if we don't. You know, there are basically three types of Christians. There is the baby Christian the someone who is just beginning their walk with the Lord. And then there is the spiritual Christian, someone who is continually growing in their faith, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. And then thirdly, there is a fleshly or carnal Christian. There is a Christian who has kind of lost his zeal for the Lord, and in fact, is slipping back to where they were before, to their old lifestyle. And the sad thing is that many times when we lose our zeal for the Lord and we slip back into our lifestyle, we even slip further back sometimes, or we lose all sensitivity to that. And we're not even aware that we are that fleshly or carnal Christian, and what we, which we might not even call a Christian anymore. So when a Christian doesn't grow... There's there's obviously a reason for it. And and obviously when they don't grow, I think it's one of five reasons. First of all, I think people don't grow because they're not feeding themselves. They're not putting forth any effort, they're not taking advantage of opportunities like Emmaus to go and go and find out, to go and discover. They're not feeding themselves. Without proper nourishment, you can't grow. And our spiritual diet needs to grow and become broader as we mature. Now one thing that, that I've heard many times in ministry is people say, I'm not being fed. And when I hear that, you know, please don't say that because it, it it doesn't sound good on you. It's not a good reflection on you. Here's the thing if you're not being fed, it's probably because you're not feeding yourself. You're not you're not desiring, you're not participating, you're not taking advantage of opportunities. But the Bible says that we have to be fed, and just like we eat food, we have to be fed the truth of God's Word and a diet of of the Bible. We have to experience that. We have to take that in. The Bible talks about how we progress in that. The Bible speaks of the milk of the Word, which is basic Bible doctrine, that basic Bible truths that we all need to know and understand and accept before we give our life to… or when we give our life to Christ. But then we have to go deeper in that. In fact, uh, in Hebrews chapter 5, it says this. By this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you, out the, uh, teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is from the tour who, by constant use, have, taint, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, if you know anything about babies, you know that babies begin by drinking milk, right? We have, uh, we have two granddaughters, and uh, one of them is four, yesterday, as of, as of yesterday, hard to believe. The other one uh, just turned one, and uh, they begin drinking milk, and our daughter, our one-year-old that lives in Hong Kong, uh, she has the most varied diet. My, our son is a foodie anyway, uh, but my, our granddaughter has the most varied diet. I mean, she eats everything, uh, broccoli and the, at the age of one and limes and you know everything. I don't know how she eats that. Some of those things I don't even eat, but she is stretching her diet uh, a lot as they give her more and more food. But she began with milk, and and one day she will progress to meat, and then she will have a, a healthy diet. So just in the same way, we have to move on from the milk of God's word into the meat of God's word. And a part of that is is a part of our spiritual growth as we mature. So, many times people aren't growing because they're not feeding themselves, but secondly, they don't grow because they're not letting other people feed them either. Without spiritual growth, while spiritual growth is every believer's personal responsibility, the church needs to offer and does offer opportunities for growth. The Sunday morning sermon, what we do in this time is great, but it's not enough alone to grow and sustain us. We all need to take advantage of opportunities outside. We all need to plug into a healthy, growing group environment somewhere. We all need to help uh, have a support system where we can go deeper in the Word, where our knowledge is increased, as well as our personal habits of worship, where we're able to discuss with other people, what does this mean? Where we're able to be challenged and grow by other people, with other people. By not feeding ourselves and not letting other people feed us, basically people starve themselves to death spiritually. A third reason that people don't grow is because nobody's challenging them to live a godly life. Proverbs chapter 21 says, as iron sharpens iron, uh, so one person sharpens another. So in other words, people in our life, other believers help us. This is another benefit of being in a group where we can rub elbows with other believers uh, who are on the same journey with us and where they can challenge us to grow personally. You're not going to grow if you won't let people into your life who will encourage you and challenge you at some point. A fourth reason that they don't grow is because they have too many worldly influences around them, too much pressure around them. The world distracts us from God. James chapter 1 says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Do you want to be a friend of God or do you want to be a friend of the world? Because what he's saying here is that you can't do both. You're either going to fill your mind with things and people of the world or the things of God you decide. This group of people who don't grow, I think, would also include those who have a hard heart and who are not willing and ready to, go so, to let go of certain sins in their life. They're, re, they're reluctant to confess and admit something they're doing is wrong. They want to keep doing it. And because of that, they can't grow because of worldly, worldly influences around them. And then lastly, I think people don't grow because they have no real purpose in living, no real purpose in life. We all need a purpose for life. And Jesus gives us that. He gives us purpose and, and, and meaning and hope for our lives. So if you're struggling with your walk with the Lord, or maybe you're beginning or wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, ask Him to give you renewal and purpose in life. See, our faith is more important than any other area of our life, more important than anything else. But it's similar in other areas in that we'll only get out of it what we put into it. If we don't put a lot into our walk with the Lord, if we're not committed, if we're not involved, if we're not taking advantage of opportunities, then there's going to be a limited amount of of change in our life and growth in our life. So the Christian life calls us to grow in our faith and to move in our spiritual journey. In our mission statement as a church is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. The mission, or excuse me, the motive or the reason that we want to do that is because we love God, we love people. And we want to make be a disciple who make disciples as well. And you know this comes from two things, two basic teachings of Jesus, his greatest command, which is to love God and love people, and his greatest commission is to go and make disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all about as a church. We want to make sure that we don't just come to church because we are a church and we're a gathering here, but instead that we're actually moving on our journey. We're moving all people from uh, not knowing Christ to growing in Christ. And we make, want to make sure that more and more people are on that spiritual journey. And we want to encourage and support each person to, first of all, to make a decision to give their life to Christ and then to continue to move and grow. And there are a lot of ways to think about this journey, but we have a natural and simple path that most believers are going to follow. Now, I love our path. I really do. And we don't talk enough about this. Tony and I talk about this all the time, that we we need to focus on this because it's so practical, it's so simple, and it needs to be foremost in our mind when we think about our journey. And I remember about this. I remember when when this kind of came together um, because I was in Haiti, and I was on a bus in Haiti. Uh, If you have never ridden a bus in Haiti, (laughs) you haven't lived or almost died. I'm telling you. I, I don't know. Some of you in the room have done that. Uh, no shocks, and, and a lot of bumpy roads. So it, it was a rough trip. But I was on this bus in Haiti. Uh, I was between St. Louis de Nord and Mayette, and I was praying about clarifying our mission and our path and trying to get, really get this clear in my mind. And there were four words that came. I remember where we were, where we were sitting on the bus. Um, I remember that, and four words came to me that I believe form a natural progression in our faith, uh, in our progression of faith as a believer. And this isn't, isn't rock in science or anything. It's really, really simple. But these four words or waypoints that we call them form what we call the path on our spiritual journey. So for us as a church, uh, this is kind of the way we see it progressing, the way it naturally happens. And we think that's important because it, once we think about that, we can kind of identify where we are on our spiritual journey. So the first waypoint that I want to talk about is Begin is begin. And I think we even have, yeah, we got a little uh, graphic up there uh, that says this is where you begin. This is where that you start. You know, every journey begins with the first step. There's someone deciding, I'm going somewhere. We're going somewhere. We're going to do something. We we begin. And I believe that there's a God-shaped void in every person that makes them seek to know Him and, and have a relationship with Him because something is missing currently in their lives. Something is missing, and God is is calling us to come to Him. Many people are going to fill that need with different things, and they're going to fill that need need or that emptiness with the pursuit of things, or the pursuit of money, or other people, or drugs, or alcohol, or all sorts of, of substitutes, but those things don't satisfy ultimately. They don't satisfy. They leave a person empty and more discouraged than they were to start with. But if a person puts forth the effort to seek God, they will find him. Jesus said that, if you seek, you will find. And so if we're kind of called on this spiritual journey and we seek him, we will find him one way or another. One thing I love to hear, I love to ask people, how did you begin your spiritual journey? How did you end up at journey, at the the church here? And it's so interesting. You know, a lot of times it's uh, people say, well, I had a change in my life of some sort. I I decided I didn't want to live like that anymore. Or maybe it was a health scare. You know, I began to think about, it. I, I wasn't going to live forever. Or maybe there was a crisis at some point in my life. Or maybe it was an invitation to church. Somebody just invited me to church, which, by the way, shows us the power of an invite. Or maybe, in some cases, it's just that, you know, God just, I don't know, told me to stop by. We've had people driving by the, the church that said, I want to stop by. They want to go in there. You know, whatever it is that, that you know, sparks that that um, interest or that desire or, or that drawing toward God. Maybe it's um, just some exposure to another believer or a challenge, or God just speaks to them. I don't know. It's all different for every person. But whatever it is, we're called to begin that journey. In John chapter one, we read about two men, uh, well-known, Andrew and John, who were engaged in the ministry of John the Baptist. They had been following John. John was a big preacher that day preparing people to to receive Jesus. He'd been preaching about the Messiah who was coming. And one day he actually saw Jesus. And he said to Andrew and John who were with him, there he is. That's the Messiah. And so they actually left John and followed Jesus, which was cool to to John the Baptist. He'd been trying to do people and push people to Jesus anyway. And so they wanted to know about Jesus. And they said, "Where, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. And you know, the word for come here just literally means just show up. Just show up. So Jesus said, "Just show up and see. You're going to find out here. You know this is important for seekers that because you have to show up in order to learn more. You got to just show up. If you stay where you are, you know, keep doing the same thing, you're going to expect the same thing to happen. But this is how we begin our spiritual journey: is that we just show up and we begin to learn about Jesus. It's exciting to see people, new people, show up at church." And they kind of, hopefully, there's a positive environment, and they're drawn in, they show up, and they just come and see. We want to be a safe and a comfortable place for people to learn about Jesus and and to be a part of our church community. We want to be a church that loves our greater community with the love of Christ and that people are drawn here. And that's why we exist, to bring people, to point them to Jesus, to give glory to God and help them start and continue their journey. That's why we have our ministries, our children's ministry, students' ministry, That's why we do service in our community. That's why we have groups, journey camp, journey provisions, all those things that we do. We don't just do them to stay busy. We do them because we want people to come to know Jesus. And hopefully all of them are part of the funnel that kind of introduces people to other believers and to Jesus. And they just come and see. In fact, that's what Jesus said, come and see, come and discover, just seek, see what you think. And that needs to be our invitation as well. Sometimes we have a hard time talking to people about our faith, but I think every one of us could probably say, come and see, come and see. I won't ask you to do that. It's uh, three words. You can probably figure that on your own, right? We don't know everything about the Bible. We don't need the answer to every question somebody's got, the challenges of their life, but we can say, hey, come and see for yourself. And this is all built on the promise and the premise that God is drawing people to himself. That all God needs is for us to plant the seed, and God will draw people to Himself. And our job is simply to discern who these people are and be ready to provide an answer to them as to why Jesus is the Savior. Why He's important to us? Just come and see. So the first waypoint is begin. The second waypoint is believe. Believe the natural progression when a person spends time learning about Jesus is you decide, do I believe this or not? Am I going to buy in on this? Is this just something other people believe or do I believe? Seeking and learning about Jesus opens us up to the Holy Spirit moving in our heart to respond to Jesus by believing His claims that He is the Son of God. Just sharing Scripture with someone, just inviting people, maybe gives a little bit of room for the Holy Spirit to get into their life and begin to convict them and move them toward Jesus. Jesus. The way Jesus invited people to come and and believe, he he invited them to come and follow me, to follow me. Following in that day meant to literally follow in his steps, to learn of him, to listen to what he had to say, to walk behind him, his disciples did that, and to join him in the journey to be a disciple. See, come and see assumes interest or curiosity. What's what's Jesus all about? Whereas follow me assumes a little more than that. That assumes commitment. Commitment because you gotta leave something in order to follow Jesus. You gotta make choices and decisions in your life. So that shows a level of commitment. It means that we're leaving our old way of life and we are committing to become like Jesus. It means that not only do we believe in him, but we also are willing to confess that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. They're willing to uh, repent of our sins or leave our sins behind to change, and we're willing to be baptized as Christ was. So you see, a follower of Christ it's what's called a disciple. And Jesus calls everyone to be a disciple. Come and follow me. Follow me is also the motto that Jesus asks us to use in leading other people to become disciples. There is a decision point. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Are you willing to give your life, to trade up something of yourself and give it to him? And the Apostle Paul says it like this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's a big challenge because most of us, we know our struggles and we're not sure we want to ask people to be like us. But you know what? Our example ought to be pure and holy so that we can truly say, come and, come and, and watch my life. I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to admit those and confess them, and I'm going to, but I'm going to lead you. Following implies spending time with people. It implies investing in them and equipping them to carry on the mission. You see, when people were around Jesus their lives begin to change. When they had a relationship with Him, their life will change. When people have a relationship with you and I, their lives are going to change. You're going to be rubbing elbows with them. You're going to be available for them. You're going to be staying in contact with them. You're going to be letting them know you and you come to know them and help them grow in their faith. So follow me is a practical and simple step that any of us can take as we make disciples. Say, let's follow Jesus. Just invite people into your life and spend time with them and share what you know about Jesus with them into the place where they say that they believe. The third waypoint on our journey is called belong. They all start with B's. You might know that. The, the third point is belong. Jesus asks more of us than just being a follower. Well, you find when you're in love with Jesus that you want to be around him more and more and you want to know him better. And, and I will just say that again, Emmaus walk is a way for Christians who have been so a long time to come to know Jesus better and get deeper connected to him. He wants us to take on and own the mission ourselves, so that we become part of the ministry. As Jesus led his disciples later on, Jesus said this to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, that was a deeper level than just before. Before it was like, oh, let's just go in with Jesus. We believe, let's follow Jesus and be like him. Jesus' followers had been with him for several months, months by this time And Jesus challenges them now to go deeper. And so they move from simply following him, literally walking behind him, to becoming his ministry team. See, the call that Jesus has is always relational. I'm going to equip you to do what I do. I'm going to to make you a volunteer. I'm going to make you a part of the team. And his call is intentional. Jesus now begins to give his disciples more responsibilities. He's going to you know, delegate things to them. He would lead them on several different fishing trips and mission trips. Their fishing trips turned out to be mission trips, not just fishing. Jesus would go to the local synagogues, and He would teach, but probably He began to allow them to read the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, and then He would teach from it. So, they began to kind of have some responsibility, and they began to own the mission themselves. He wanted them to see that one day they would totally take on the mission when He went back to heaven. So it was a progressive thing of deepening their faith, but also giving them responsibility. We call this wake point belonging because we don't, let, not only belong to Jesus, but we also belong to the larger body of Christ. Uh, we belong to the local church, and we belong to that group of people all over the world who are assuming the mission. You know, Jesus isn't here now, the mission is ours to carry forth. And the, the deeper we walk, we find in our walk with the Lord, the more we become committed to the mission ourselves. And then we become the servants that God called us to be. The final waypoint, in White Call, we call it become. And that's a little bit more difficult to explain because we are constantly becoming, becoming the person and the believer and the spiritual warrior that God's called us to be. Near the end of his ministry, Jesus kind of changed the way that he uh, referred to his disciples. Now he calls them friends which kind of implies a new level of relationship. Not only are they just following him, doing what he tells them to do, now they, they're almost like peers, you know? We know they're not exactly, but I mean, they're, they're friends. They gather around him, And he's invested in them in years. He's seen them grow and develop. And while they still have a lot of room to grow, he's already began to pass the mission on to them and telling them, I'm gonna be gone and you're gonna to have to do it all. In John chapter 14, Jesus explained in order to survive and to do the mission, they must remain in him. It's a beautiful chapter because he used the analogy of a vine and how the branches on a vine can only produce grapes if they are firmly attached to the vine itself. And he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Jesus is the vine and you and I are the branches. Now we're going to bear fruit. We're going to live as disciples. We're going to make disciples to the degree that we remain in Him, our connection with Him, and become, we think, is the highest calling in the Christian life, where we're called to live in relationship, in obedience to Christ, and we are actively serving and working not just for Him, but to make more disciples, that we are reproducing ourselves. We're investing in people, and our disciples are in turn making more disciples. Again, I've said this before, we do that with our children. We want our kids to be disciples and followers of Jesus, and when they have kids, we want them to be followers of Jesus. I'm seeing this in my granddaughter, my my oldest granddaughter now, as she comes to know and love the Lord and love church because our daughter, son-in-law, are making disciples of her as well. So it's a continuing process, but it's not limited to our families. It's to be all around us and and we're to be the influence, the salt and the light that Jesus called us to be. And this is how the gospel continues to survive and thrive and changes our world. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, in our country, we're seeing, unfortunately, a decline of that. But around the world, the gospel is exploding as disciples are being made. We need to to emulate that here. We need to repeat that in our own community, our own world. And like I said before, Jesus' plan is that we grow in Him, and then we move on our spiritual journey. That we began by seeking Him, we believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we give Him our lives, and then we belong in in Him, and to Him, and to His body, the church, and we take on the mission, and we become the disciple that He's called us to be, making more disciples, with the DNA to make more and more disciples. Guys, that's the mission I believe that God's handed to His church. It's the mission that God's handed to us in a way that hopefully makes sense to you. But I would challenge you to see it's not an easy mission. It's not a simple thing. It's a it's, it's challenging mission because there's so much around us that calls for our attention and our energy and our heart, but it is the mission that God's given us. And in the end, it's the only thing that's going to matter. All the kingdoms that we build here on this earth are going to be gone one day, and only the things that we do for Christ will truly matter. And so we ought to think about the eternal reward and we th- with excitement and joy as we see and share in the greatest work on earth that will outlast this earth that we live in. So that's, that's my challenge to you, and it applies to you wherever you are. If you are here and you're not yet a believer and you're just beginning, welcome to the journey. We invite you on the journey, begin to discover, show up, come and see. If you are, uh, have crossed the line of faith and you are a believer, God God is calling you into greater things. He has a purpose for your life and meaning. If you're uh, in the third stage we call belonging and you're a worker and you're committed to the church, I I just want to encourage you to take the next step and begin to make disciples. Reproduce yourself in, in the lives of other people and their faith to encourage them. Now, we get to see every now and then some exciting things, and I, I hated that I was here, wasn't here. was here last week because we had some baptisms, but I have a good friend. I have a young man uh, named Ronnie uh, that I've kind of seen this process begin in his life because a few months ago, uh, Ronnie and, uh, and, and Patty, I got the honor to marry them back in the summer, but, but they began to kind of show up, and oddly enough, they showed up online, and so I get these names that, Ronnie and Patty and I, I don't even know who they are. They just showed up online, but they kept showing up and sending in prayer requests. And we were praying for them and the prayer needs. And it was kind of cool. And then one day I got a phone call and they showed up and they said, will you marry us? I said, I'd be honored to do that. And, and, then, and then they showed up at church and they just kept showing up. And last Sunday, uh, Ronnie was, was planning to be baptized. His mom was in town. And so we had talked and he was ready to cross that line of faith and give his life to Christ. We're going to be baptized. and He got sick. You know, and he wasn't able to be here, but on Tuesday night we got a chance to see him give his life to Christ and be baptized. And the cool thing with the power of video, you guys can too. So we're going to take a moment right there, right now, and sharing that.
1: Come on in. He doesn't
0: have
1: his glasses. Can he see us? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tonight's a pretty special night, and I'm uh, kind of honored to be a part of this. I know this is supposed to happen Sunday, but uh, it worked out. Everything works out. Um, so Ronnie, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, your spiritual journey and where God was taking you. and We, we said every journey has a start, a beginning, and uh, then we, uh, that's not the end. It's just like a uh, trip starts with a, the first step, uh, then it's step after step moving forward. So this is kind of the beginning of your spiritual journey, and I know that for some time uh, you and Patty have been seeking and searching, and uh, kind of led you to where you are today. Uh, But we talked about the fact that while baptism is the most visible part, uh, really what happens in the heart uh, is more important, and has to precede that. We talked about for uh, someone who who seeks, uh, Jesus said, if you seek, you'll find. So when you start looking, uh, you're We'd like to find it, and I know you guys have spent some time just searching and seeking and investigating and discovering uh, to the place where that we are today, and so believing is the first step, uh, repenting in the heart, we talked about that, when the heart goes through a change and, and becomes different internally, and uh, then uh, confessing Jesus is Lord, and Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven, and so, in just a few moments, I want to ask you to just make a confession of faith of who you believe Jesus is. And know, at the time, as you say that, that um, that Jesus is saying that Ronnie is now mine because he made a commitment to follow Jesus, and then and then baptized. We're baptized to uh, identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So uh, this is a kind of a part of your journey. You've arrived here, and we just go forward. So uh, first of all, I want to ask if you would uh, to repeat after me, uh, repeat after me that I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the living God. And I accept Him. And I accept Him. That's my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. All right. Ronnie, because of your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And guys, that's. Uh, hey, the Baptist is open. Anybody else?
0: <laughs> There's always an invitation, always an open invitation. Anybody else? Um, I want to encourage you, uh, wherever you are on your journey. And we do celebrate with Ronnie, and we're so excited about this new beginning and, and seeing what God's going to do with his life. Uh, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, we'd love to talk to you about that, or wherever you may be on your journey. Maybe it's a time of recommitment to your next step on your journey. I'm going to be up front. Tony will be up here as well. We'd love to talk to you. If you want to pray, maybe pray for where God is, has you in your life right now, or maybe the call on his life, or someone else that you know, uh, or maybe for the person that you ought to be investing in. We'd love to to share with you in that prayer. You're welcome to come up and pray uh, on your own. Let's pray together as we go into our time. Lord, God, thank you for this morning. And Lord, thank you for this uh, beautiful baptism. uh, Father, a celebration of uh, the the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus and seeing that in Ronnie's life. Lord, pray your blessing on him and Lord, on each of us as we uh, begin or continue our journey. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's stand to worship.